Hello everybody, welcome to the Blood and Thunder Master Preview Podcast. My name is Tom Savage. I hope you're having a good Friday. Uh, I had a very good Friday. Um, I will not have a green eye up for this game. Um, that'll return for the Tonga game coming up next week. Uh, this Blood and Thunder podcast is the preview I'll be doing. Um, I've got some other stuff coming. Uh, I've got a, an article coming on the Springboks that's going to come after their game against Scotland. Um, but the main reason is is that today uh, I proposed to my girlfriend and she said yes. So I'm engaged. So it's, uh, yeah, a very big day in the parish. Um, on top of being really warm. Um, it was... Uh, yeah, something I've been building up to for a while, and uh, I was nervous, but yeah, it all went right. So yeah, great day. Um, so yeah, look, I think with the the World Cup, it's just started today. I'm going to do a little bit on the France and New Zealand game as well because I think there's lots of pertinent points there for for Ireland. Um, I think, look, this game against Romania is essentially another warm up game. Um, I don't think that's too disrespectful to Romania. Um, they're a decent side. They've got some, like they've got some big size in their team. They've got some good players, um, relatively speaking. But Ireland should be beating this team by 40, 50 points easily. Um, to not do so would be just incredibly disappointing and concerning, more more than disappointing. Um, so I, I fully expect Ireland to do that. I'm going to go through the teams there in a minute, um, the both sides. Um, to be honest, I, I've looked at some of Romania's games and look, Ireland should score tries any way they want against this Romania team. You know, no questions asked. Um, like, Romania just have weaknesses everywhere, relatively speaking. Um, not a great set piece. Um, you'd imagine they'd have a good scrum. They don't really... Um, their line out is very very hit and miss from a face play perspective everything's very basic um, you know they've got some big guys but they don't really know how to use them you know I mean like I said um, Ireland should beat this team by 40-50 by, by points on a relatively average day if Ireland perform to the level that we know they can they'll put 60-70-80 points in this team um, and I think that's like a fair reflection on where both teams are I think I could show you different clips from Romania um, of their line out not working um, of their inability really to work on transition at all um, and you know look at that and go Ireland could you know do this that and the other to be honest I think Ireland could play poorly against this team and still win and again look I don't mean that to be disrespectful it's just that the more I looked at Romania at, at their warm up games the more I realise that they really are like a genuine like tier three team and like Tonga are a different story like Tonga haven't been great in their warm up games either but like they're a different story they have um, a lot more talent in their team Romania have uh, like some decent size uh, they've got a big size in the bench actually in the second row um, they're they're playing with a kind of a, a sort of a three lock pack build but they're a, a far lower class team than Ireland and Ireland should beat them pulling up and um, like I think to be honest like doing a preview on Romania like that I think is a waste of your time it's also a waste of my time um, to be honest I think for me the most important thing about this game and like what we're looking from Ireland in this game is one no injuries 
two, the one way to ensure that you'd have no key injuries to the guys who I think Ireland are 100% reliant on is to just not play them in this game, which would be a 100% legitimate approach. Like, I think that Ireland could have easily started a heavily rotated team here and still put away Romania. Like, Romania are one of the weakest teams that we've played in this four-year cycle. The only thing that would make it any different is that it's going to be played in a World Cup, which adds a pressure of its own. I think we'll see that as the tournament develops. But also, um, with the heat that we'll be playing in as well, that is something of a leveller to a certain extent. But look, they'll be in it as well. So, like, if anything, they are not as fit as us, not as conditioned as us. They don't, like, their SNC isn't, isn't at the same level as ours. They don't have the same level of athletes. So, if anything, like, the hot weather should be affecting them more. But... I think looking at it from from that perspective why didn't Ireland rotate for this game like that's the question that kind of sticks with me like prior to this World Cup I had a look at um, the schedule obviously and I thought that Romania was the game to spread minutes around around the fringe players to basically if there's any decisions to be made on certain depth chart spots that this game against Romania would be the one so like you might start we'll say now that the squad's been picked you might start Lockman you might start uh, Herring or a third or fourth hooker if you took a fourth hooker um, you might start O'Toole uh, you might have McCarthy who they have in the second row I think partly because they really like his his power his profile uh, but you might start, you know, you might rotate. So you might put Baird in there and just basically kind of spread the minutes around your your your, your 33-man squad. Ireland haven't really done that. And I think part of the reason why we haven't and we've kind of really gone quite heavy on the, um, you know, what what, what is essentially a first-choice pack. Like, I, I think genuinely, like, that's more of a reflection of the, not poor because look, Ireland won all three games in the warm-ups but I think Andy Farrell wants that team to get momentum and for this Irish team momentum is hugely important uh, you look at you know what we've done with this team when we've played multiple games in succession you know game after game after game we've gotten better and like this is a team that runs on cohesion in the last three games we've played in the warm-ups we haven't had cohesion guys have been stepping in and out of the team but not just that like you've had training with a lot of different guys there fellas who are coming in who aren't up to the we'll say they don't have the exact language of the training camp so like that hurts your ability to train at the level you want because and and, and this is a a problem of Ireland's own making because look we made a decision I think in 2021-2022 that we were going to have a very condensed and boiled down way of playing and training which meant that like a team like France for example their game plan is not so dense they spread it out over a lot of different guys who can come in and out of camp you don't necessarily need to be massively studied in how they're playing you're brought in and it's it's easy to pick up to a certain extent you have specific roles but once you're in a certain role or even adjacent to it you can you know you can basically come in and and pick it up pretty quickly Ireland's system is very very involved um and very very heavily laid down um it's very very cohesion based 
and like again I say cohesion an awful lot I kind of, it almost loses meaning you know I think when you look at Ireland at their very best play like a club team um, who are you know nine or ten games into a very condensed run where they're playing and training training with each other every single week and there's very little change in the team Ireland are at their very best when they're like that um, they're throwing passes to guys where they know they will be and those guys are running onto those passes and they're throwing passes to guys who are running onto those passes the set pieces like works perfectly the line out is flawless the strikes are flawless um, everybody knows their role of the breakdown everything and like it basically is not something that's very easy to pick up. It's something that you can understand, like you can you can build an understanding of what Ireland are trying to do on the field, but it's a different thing to actually do your job in that in in that um, game plan because so much of it is is just so like a deeply involved game plan. It's not easy to spread over multiple different people. So like when you've got lots of different guys in, you know, in the initial camps, training isn't going to be at the same level because guys are learning the language like they're picking it up and like again you look at the way Ireland have selected over the last two or three years it's very much what you've done in the HPU is what high performance unit that's what carries you up to the next level so like you know you see guys being brought in to train and then they maybe get an opportunity if somebody gets injured because again a lot of what Ireland do is based on selecting the same guys over and over again in the same units because again that builds cohesion so when Ireland move away from that, as we saw in the last three games in, in the in the warm-ups, straight away, things look different. They feel different, right? And like, building up to this game against Romania, like, Ireland will win regardless of how cohesive or not cohesive we are. Anything else is the biggest shock in World Cup history. So, again, it's not something that I think is a realistic prospect. I think it's certainly possible for Ireland to look a bit flat and not play their best and make a number of mistakes or whatever else. But I just think whatever happens, Ireland will win this game, you know. So, for me, this is a stepping stone along the way to Tonga, which I think is going to be a tricky game. Certainly got the potential to be, especially with the Springboks on the horizon. Um, and the Springboks, obviously, is the game of the pool. Um, we'll obviously know the context of that game after uh, South Africa play Scotland uh, on the opening well the uh, the opening round of games in our pool so like for me the big interest is that Ireland instead of going well we're going to build more minutes into our fringe instead they said we're going to go pretty much all out with our top team whoever we have fit and available we can make a run at that um, at that game against Romania we're going to stick X number of points on them and that's going to get us back up and running we're back baby and then into Tonga and then into South Africa um, now part of that I think is informed by Sexton's suspension um, he hasn't had a whole ton of well he's, he's had no game time really this season um, he has been injured and uh, then there's that suspension as well um, now again I think a lot of people when they heard Sexton being suspended for warm up games you know friendlies um, I think straight away people thought oh stitch up you know that that's not really a punishment um, I think for a guy of Sexton's age on the one hand I can see an argument that he should just be able to step back in and just play his game and to be able to do it flawlessly given he's done it so many times um, on the other hand I think when you get to 37, 38 years of age you're running a very fine line between you don't want to use this guy too much because like literally every collision has a bigger 
potential chance of putting this guy out for the World Cup than a younger man. Um, on the other hand, though, you do need to get your eye in. You do need to get your, your body used to the actual pressures of the game. And obviously, look, Sexton, I think, is way more able than most to step right back in and to do the job. Um, but I think they would have liked to given him, you know, a half here and a half there uh, in the warm-up games. They don't have that luxury now, so they have to get him minutes. Um, Tonga is one I think they might even skip for him or have him on the bench for. But they need to get him minutes. Now, I know he played at that, like that training those training game or training drills or whatever it was against Portugal but again the pressure's not there that's that's not really the same thing so when you understand that Johnny Sexton probably has to start this game and play 50-60 minutes of it straight away then there's no point in putting a rotated Ireland side a rotated Ireland side around him like straight away that makes no sense and Ireland have selected accordingly so if Sexton had to play in this game and he did there was no chance they were going to put a rotated pack or rotated outside back line alongside him. Not a chance. Not a chance. And obviously they, they, they selected around it. Now there has been a few interesting um, calls have been made from a selection perspective. I'll go through those in a minute. Uh, I'll go through Romania first. Now I'll tell you right now, I know very little about this team. I've looked at some of their games in in in, in their preseason. Look, some of these guys are, are playing fairly low level. Um, you've got uh, Julian Hartig, uh, Ovidiu Kojaku, Alexandru Gordas, Adrian Motok, Stefan Iancu. Uh, their back row is uh, Florian Rusu, uh, Vlad Nekulau, and uh, Christian uh, Shirika at number eight, and their captain, big guy, uh, probably their best player as well. Uh, they've got Gabriel Rupanu and Hinkley uh, Vauvasa at uh, halfback. Uh, Vauvasa is, I think he was born in New Zealand, uh, has played a lot of his rugby at fullback. Decent player, but again, there's lots of errors in this guy. Um, they've got Tavita Manumoa at, uh, on the wing. They've got Jason Tamani, I think he was a brother of uh, the guy who used to play for Leinster Rugby in midfield. They've got Fonovai uh, Tangimana uh, at outside centre. Nicholas Onutu and Marius Simeonescu um, at fullback. Um, on the bench, they have, um, let me just look at this, get this team up here. Florian Bardasu, Alexandru Savin, uh, Georgi uh, Gajian, a big guy, big, big guy. Marius uh, Iftimichu um, is number 19, big, big lock for them. They've got Dragos Sir, great Game of Thrones name there, um, number 20. Alan Konachi, uh, Tudor Balder, and Taylor uh, Gontiniak uh, is their replacements there. Look, again, I don't know a whole lot about these guys, really. Tried to find out as much as I could during the the preseason games that I saw, or the, the warm-up games I saw, but look, again, not great. Like, again, look, like, they play at the level that you would expect. I think sometimes you think we look at the World Cup as a big leveler, you know, like... I was watching like France versus Ireland in the the soccer there the other night, and like Ireland did okay, but look, you're you're looking at a team who won a you know who came second in the World Cup final, lost on penalties or whatever else, playing against a team where there's lads there playing in League Two in the Championship in, in soccer, and like I mean, it, like Ireland did well enough, but you know you'd expect them to lose that game. It's the same thing for Romania here. Like there's some decent pros there, like you know playing at a relatively decent level, but like 
we're not talking about like you know a team that Ireland should be overtly concerned about beating like with all due respect to Romania um, Ireland on the other hand we've gone incredibly strong for this just based on the reasons I was speaking about there with a go we'll just talk about the front row Andrew Porter Rob Herring and Tyg Furlong start this game which again is mad when you think about it Ronan Kelleher as replacement hooker they've been looking to get minutes into him he's been injured a lot this year um, he needs to get I would say a decent 20-25 minutes off the bench uh, Jeremy Lockman and Tom O'Toole are the replacement um, props which again is a fair enough call at the moment I would imagine Finley Bielan will start against Tonga um, because I think Tonga are a really big physical side um, they've got a, a decent scrum Ireland will need to rotate for that game we don't want any guys losing out on South Africa because of the physicality that's coming against Tonga um, so again I think they're, like, they're looking to play a little bit of horses for courses here to a certain extent um, the second row is Joe McCarthy and James Ryan with Ian Henderson on the bench the back row Tygburn, Peter Romani and Caelan Doris with Josh van der Fleer on the bench um, weirdly enough you know if you watch uh, or read the uh, work rate articles on the 10 euro tier um, Josh van der Fleer being on the bench along with Ian Henderson is not a massive surprise for this game um, I thought both were really poor against Samoa um, at their core role uh, I thought Ian Henderson's breakdown work was really sloppy and like to, to an extent non-existent not at the level that you'd expect Josh van der Fleer had decent numbers but was weirdly inefficient um, at the breakdown which again cost us on a few occasions again very unlike Josh van der Fleer now again there is an element of rotation that they're doing in this back five for sure but I think Joe McCarthy starting is a great sign for him. They really like his power. Um, he will carry a fair bit of ball for Ireland. He is a really good primary defender. Physically, they love what he brings. Um, Ian Henderson, for me, hasn't looked massively physical. Obviously, he's got that in his locker. We've seen it from him again and again. But the bits and pieces I've seen of him this season, like as in like include like last year, and including that game against Samoa, just looked a little bit tired. Not the same fella physically. Um, like you know from from a power perspective Ian Henderson's probably always been at his best like you know we've seen what he's done to like really big physical players like even Edstebet he had one really really good ball carry on him a couple of years ago and that I know that's just one highlight but I think it showcases what Ian Henderson has always been really good at doing which is being deceptively powerful Um, I haven't seen a whole ton of that from him from, like, from him this year games have kind of bypassed him to an extent Um, and I think what this does is that look it gives him an opportunity off the bench against you know what will be a very tired and rotated Romania side there's just a big opportunity for him to get his, a bit of confidence back you know to get a few big ball carries in build a bit of momentum for himself but it's a big opportunity for Joe McCarthy in the same uh, in, in the same um, case where he gets to start his scrummaging I think on the loose head side will be very interesting it'll be interesting to see actually if he scrummages on the loose head side um, if they give him that tight head lock scrummaging uh, position that's going to be an interesting one, if that's um if 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 that's what, what what's in the the plan for him tomorrow, but that's going to be interesting. Um and the back row is probably as big as we can go at the moment. Like that back five is probably as big as we can go. Like Tygburn at six, Peter Manny at seven, and Kaelin Doris at eight. Um, all three of those guys will play similar enough roles. Um, like Tygburn, I think his versatility to play in the back row and to do so without 
distorting Ireland's system is a big advantage and I think that's something Ireland might well look at for South Africa if we want to try and get a little bit of parity with them from a size perspective um, that's going to be an interesting one to see how that develops um, but like it, it certainly as well shores up Ireland's line out because you've got five legitimate jumping targets in that back five that's a huge advantage you look at how Ireland's line out over the last couple of weeks has been overtly complicated um, this straight away takes away a lot of that complication not that you have to overly complicate it when it's Rob Herring throwing in because again we look at like his basics he's like the ideal hooker like that you want in a squad who you can stick on the bench you bring him on if he needs to if you need, if you need to start him he's a guy you, you can start easily and the core of his game is just ridiculously strong like he's a good thrower he's a great defender he's not the most explosive ball carrier but he's dangerous off the back of a mall if he gets to close range he's tough there as well he can win a breakdown penalty for you he's a good scrummager like just again just the ideal kind of squad hooker like obviously guys like Ronan Kelleher and, and Dan Sheehan have more fireworks to their game but like Rob Herring is invaluable I think we saw from him uh, against Samoa like a guy who comes on and who's just a very solid thrower of the ball and like look again it's not always about the hooker either and I think a lot of the time with Ireland against Samoa Tom Stewart had a few bad throws yeah but I think a lot of that came down to our scheme being overly complicated in the line out and just again just overdoing things and overcomplicating stuff but like I think looking at that back five that back five should be getting up into the air that that should be getting at that Romanian line out which we can 100% attack they're going to go very very simple you know we can maul them off the park defensively we we don't we have nothing to be concerned about from this Romania team realistically um and that back five is a statement going look if these guys want to play direct we can play direct um and there's breakdown threats there there's defensive lineout threats there like I think we can look at this game that we can actually play it incredibly efficiently where we don't have to go to a massively big ball and play time like game to beat this team like you might say that if we wanted to play the likes of France or the Springboks we'll need to keep the ball and play time ridiculously high like 38 minutes plus we don't need to do that against Romania we can actually just go set to set to set to set by that I mean we should be winning defensive breakdown turnovers against these guys uh, we should be able to maul them a lot and just play basically off that we should be winning penalties offensive penalties kicking deep mauling going from there maul 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 like we should be able to do that no bother without necessarily going massively into you know deep counter transition sets or anything like that we don't need to do that against this team and again the more we exert ourselves in the heat the more injury trouble that we have or, or that we may potentially bring upon ourselves so like this is a team that's built big because we want to go out there we want to dominate them in every sequence of the game we have a back five there that can 100% do that and like that front row again look zero problems with that like Porter Herring Furlong like Furlong isn't necessarily the player he was two years ago I think injuries have taken a bit from him but he's still a very solid scrummager and he, we, we will need that you know to be honest in this tournament we'll need him like even if he just he's not necessarily Tyg Byrne the fireworks guy you know where he's sidestepping backs and he's you know doing all this other stuff that Tyg Furlong might be gone you might see a, a flash of it every now and then but him doing it every other game I think is, is probably gone that's fine 
Like, he looks like he's playing heavier, to be honest. I think, like, if he loses a bit of explosivity, the best thing he can do, I think, is play heavier to go 125, 130, or whatever else to get up to that size and just basically become, like, a big breakdown hitter, which he always has been. But focus a little bit more on that. His handling is always going to be very good, but, like, to basically just be a big, solid, heavy, tight head, which he's always been, but... I think his scrummaging is going to be very important in this World Cup, especially with the the incoming battle between counter-transition and off-ball and on-ball teams. That's going to be a, the scrum is going to become a, a more important facet of the game. And I think that um, Furlong, his role is going to be huge there. Um, I, I like Ireland's scrummaging unit, like with Herring and Porter, I really like. Um, mainly because um, Andrew Porter is such a vital player to this team. The only thing that can take and, and reduce his value um, to this Irish team is if Ireland have to have nine or ten scrums in a game. Then, danger. Trouble. Um, Andrew Porter is not the greatest scrummager. I think even his biggest, most blue-tinted fans, and I would be a green-tinted fan of his, would agree that scrummaging is not a strength of his. It Look, it just isn't. But if we can limit his exposure there which again is a big if but if we can he can win games for us his breakdown output is ridiculously good his power is unbelievable his fitness his impact in games as a breakdown as a defensive and, and, and offensive primarily breakdown player as a line out lifter as a mauler is outstanding and look he can pick up a penalty against anybody but my worry is against the big dominant world class tight heads that he has an awful habit of folding in and plowing a hole in the ground with his elbow and that won't do we have to limit that exposure won't be an issue against Romania um, but if he coughs up one or two maybe fucking soft penalties at the scrum that sets a bad template so again we'll want as much power behind him as possible um, Joe McCarthy that's why I'm thinking he might be scrummaging on the loose head side here just give him a solid platform to work off you know trouble is going to, if trouble is going to come against Tonga against you know South Africa against Scotland it will but we can at least start this game off if there are going to be a fair bit of scrums and look again with the, with the heat the ball's going to be a bit greasy there's going to be mistakes um, you know it's going to be very humid we have to live with the fact that the weather in this tournament means that the scrum is going to play a larger role than what it has done in the last number of years we need to survive there one of Ireland's biggest strengths over the last year is that we don't necessarily get pumped in the scrum that often on both sides of the ball we're happy to play it static and safe if we get a nudge on of course we're going to have a go but I think that from a refereeing perspective we don't want to have any referee standing over six, seven, eight scrums on either, regardless of who's put in it, it is um, because again I think that's a, a route for Ireland to start conceding more penalties and uh, with the games we have coming up and the route we have in this in this tournament uh, that's not something we can afford um, but that does not for me lessen the value of Andrew Porter um, who I think is like you know scrum aside like if you forget about the scrum for a minute which again I know is a bit of a ridiculous statement but like it's not that he's a total washout there either by the way it's just that he has conceded penalties there it is something of a weakness in his game like 
he's for me a, like a top five lucid prop in the game for what he brings around the field as a tight forward um, we just have to maximise that and minimise his exposure uh, on the other side of things um, at halfback uh, they have Jonathan Sexton and Jamison Gibson Park um, Johnny's back for this game he's captain obviously as well they need to get him a run out with that Irish the main Irish team that's like if you're wondering why we're not rotating I think that's a large part of it also because look the warm ups weren't great we want to get the momentum as I was saying but like when Johnny is looking to get those minutes there's no point putting like a rotated team outside him or putting depth guys there because like you're you're not getting the best out of Johnny you're not you're not fine tuning your team like Ireland want to be and I, I think I wrote about it in, in an article this past week because again I was I was fucking breaking it all week um, like Ireland are a Porsche right like there's not very many generic parts will slot into a Porsche and make it run the same way as a bespoke part like for Ireland to get that engine up and running like all the right parts need to be there we saw that against England in patches. We saw that in Italy in patches for a large part of the game against Italy, actually. And we certainly saw it against Samoa. When you rotate out key parts of this team, they don't look the same. So there's no point in getting your driver, Johnny Sexton, and putting him into a generic car. He needs to be driving the car that we'll want him to be driving against the Springboks. So as a result, pretty much the full-strength team is outside him and in front of him. So like that is, again it's just smart coaching that's where we are that's the decision that has to be made I back it um, but the worry of course is for Sexton and my worry for him is that as at 38 in the conditions that we're playing in against teams who have nothing to lose like that we'll need him to be Johnny Sexton we don't need him to be like Johnny standing in the pocket do you know like we need him to be out there doing what he does and part of the reason why we need him to play in this game is that we want to see him playing that game Romania like whatever about them being limited enough from a, a talent perspective they've got fucking big hitters there lads who put a shot on you and feel it the worry for Sexton is is that obviously in Ireland training everyone's minding him nobody wants to be the fellow who fucking puts the captain out of, out of his last World Cup so to an extent he's coming in here with very little like actual of, of his of his of his ring rust we'll say often because of course everybody's minding him in training like do you know I think part of the reason why they wanted the warm ups was so that they can get him out onto the field they can get him back up to speed and look yeah he's going to take a few shots but he's rugby ready like sometimes you've got to take those shots and it helps build your resiliency and also at the same time there's no point in starting Johnny unless you give him the weapons he's used to using so you've got James Lowe at uh inside winger you've got Keith Earls you've got uh, Bundy Aki and Gary Ingrose in midfield Hugo Keenan at fullback on the bench Conor Murray Jack Crowley and Robbie Henshaw I think once they get X number of minutes into Johnny um, we'll see him off the field fairly lively um, there's a big opportunity here for Jack Crowley to nail down that number two spot from what I hear he's really impressed in camp not just with what he's done you know playing the game but his character, the way he's driving the game on, the way he's driving the team on, nothing but positive things. They love that in camp. Um, Conor Murray, again, is a fairly smart decision there too. But again, I'd like to see minutes for Craig Casey against Tonga. They may look to try and do that as well. 
if they're going to go with Jack Crowder to start against Tonga with Craig Casey that would make a ton of sense to me but I hate the idea of guys going to a World Cup and not getting minutes that to me just I think it's against the spirit of what they're trying to do like and I understand that you know needs must to a certain point but I'd like to see everybody getting a moment in the World Cup for sure but like that team selection makes a ton of sense when you think about it um, and I think that like it obviously is more than enough to, to win the game but like you're looking at some of the you know the combinations like you're looking at Ring Rose and Aki I think is our, our number one midfield pairing um, I think Aki is just a more complete player than Robbie Henshaw at this stage um, the biggest letdowns for me in the, the warm up series of the games I watched back were Van der Fleer, uh, Henderson and Henshaw were the three big letdowns for me Robbie Henshaw I think is a fantastic player obviously Josh van der Fleer is as well as Zane Henderson I just felt their performance levels weren't near where they used to be uh, certainly in Henshaw's uh, case it just seems that look he's had a, few, a lot of knocks it just feels that he doesn't really have a defined role anymore like a lot of what he does really well Gary Ringrose does better and you don't necessarily need two guys doing that like Robbie, Robbie Hinch is a great defender makes great reads big hitter uh, in defence as well he's obviously a great athlete with the ball in hand also um, but again not the most creative player a bit like Ring Rose in that regard as well I think, th- I think they've become quite similar whereas maybe five years ago maybe they were a little bit more different and they I suppose maybe suited each other better as a result I think Bundy Aki does a lot of the things that make Gary Ringrose look really good I mean because Gary Ringrose is really good but as with everything in this game you need guys to complement each other I think that Aki and Ringrose really complement each other and like now again I I will state that like this doesn't apply against Romania where I fully believe like if Ireland are playing against France or against the Springboks or against Scotland even you will have an offensive ruck work score of 400 plus if Ireland are playing well. Now, if you want to know what that means, get onto the 10 euro tier, look at my work rate articles. You will see why van der Fleer is on the bench if they're going on performance levels and why Henderson is on the bench and why they're not starting because their output at the breakdown was really poor by their own standards. But when you start tracking that breakdown work rate as a collective during the game and then break it down into quarters like your collective offensive ruck output per quarter you will start to see well this is how Ireland look when they're playing well this is how Ireland look when they're playing poorly but that doesn't always map like for like onto different teams so against Romania for example I if things are going well for Ireland in that game I think our collective offensive ruck work score should be under 400 under 350 we don't need to play that way to beat this Romania team we will to beat Scotland and we certainly will to beat South Africa the more rocks we have against those teams the better against Romania I don't think we need that much in the way of offensive breakdown we should be breaking them down much quicker we should be breaking them down directly off through the mall through first phase um we, we don't need to be over overplaying in that regard so in 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 from that perspective we don't need to be overly concerned with the offensive breakdown in this game as long as it's not a complete washout again a bit like everything 
Um, but what Bundy Aki does with Gary Ringrose is that his offensive ruck work numbers are usually really, really good. And his defensive ruck work is actually very good as well. So when you see those guys playing well, Ireland's attack usually functions pretty well. But I don't think that'll be massively necessary here. There's been a bit of question about why Matt Hansen is not playing uh, in this game. People asking if it's disciplinary or whatever else. I've heard nothing about why that would be the case. Um, it could be that because we're playing against Romania, maybe we're intending to do more way of uh, kick chasing. In that regard, Keith Earls is a guy who... I think his defensive intelligence is a, is a bit better than Hansen's. Maybe they want to try and run him that way. Or maybe they're just going to look to try to put Hansen as a big part of our, um, our, our game against Tonga. And maybe they'll be rotating James Lowe out. And they want to keep that second kicking option in there. So that could be about what they're doing. Like I think that there are a few injuries that are not healing as quickly as they would like in the Irish camp at the moment. Um, so we may need to, to, to spare certain guys. So again, I think that Jimmy O'Brien is carrying an injury. Um, and in that regard, you would spare Mac Hansen for this game if possible. So like I think that, you know, Keith Earl's there, you lose nothing, I feel. Um, and I think that there's more than enough talent in that team to win by like I said 60-70 points but we don't need to reinvent the wheel like a lot of what we'll do against these guys will be we can be okay with a low ball and play time game in this one like honestly I think that'd, that'd, that'd be nearly for the best we need to be saving our energy we don't need to be playing a you know a, a 35 minute plus ball and play time against these guys in this heat we, we genuinely don't like against Tonga maybe maybe but again they've got so many holes in their game we should be able to do that too that's the big worry for me is that we're looking for a shakedown at Ireland at their best we don't need to be at our best to beat these guys we don't even need to be at our best to put an impressive scoreline on these guys simple basic rugby is what will beat these guys we can beat them on their own possession we don't need to overplay just again kick it to them let them make a mistake play off that more than good enough to do so uh, and I think that when Ireland when Ireland met and it sounds very arrogant but look Ireland should be beating this team 99 times out of 100 and that 1 in 100 time like it would be un- unheard of and if we lose against Romania we've got far bigger problems than the Springboks let me tell you um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how we go it's just basically get through get the key guys off for me key players in this team um, Porter number one uh, Sexton number two Doris number three Ryan number four Omani number five um, Ty Byrne in around there as well they're the key game winners for this Irish team and get those guys off the field I, I, I will see Omani coming in for or um, Josh Vanderfleer coming on for Omani I would suggest um, Henderson coming in then for Ryan during the game and um, just basically just you know keep the engine ticking over and just see what we're like after the game yeah, I think the biggest result is get your bonus point wrapped get your um, your key fair, your, 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 your key players off the team no injuries elsewhere that might sting and I think you're happy enough with your day's work move on to Tonga and uh, the bigger challenges to come I think Ireland will know a lot more about what's to come in this tournament after this weekend I think we will already have seen an awful lot from France versus uh, New Zealand 
we'll also have seen an awful lot from Scotland versus South Africa which will be happening uh, on Saturday also so that's going to be these are all very very just just the, so many good games are coming one after the other it's just, just it's fantastic um, I watched New Zealand and France today just because I wanted to see what New Zealand who have definitely taken to a more counter transition style of rugby what that looks like um, against a off ball team like uh, France um, because again there's lots of parallels there I feel between Ireland and South Africa uh, and again we could possibly be paying, be playing France or New Zealand in the quarterfinals if all goes to plan one way or the other um, my big takeaway from the game was number one how do you mess up the Marseilles how do you blow that the performance of that anthem was just diabolical just the fucking worst my god like how do you fuck that up um, and I, I like I'm going to stick to my guns here I think that the first All Blacks try <laughs> in part came because France were rattled after how bad La Marseillaise was um, but yeah look uh, the All Blacks had a really quick start um, off a line out a line out strike again it looked very typical Joe Schmidt team um, and looked dangerous whenever they could isolate uh, Matthew Jalabert who France had defending uh, at outside centre for a lot of their lineouts and scrums I think as well um, they were high, trying to hide in, in, in defence um, and New Zealand looked really good in those moments where they could play really heavily scripted lineout plays or go to their pre-designed kicking plays which were like little chips over the French blitz these were all very very heavily scripted um, France I didn't think played all that well but stayed patient used their power and for me the big thing was in this game and I think it like it, it stacks because uh, the article I have coming on the spring box relies heavily on what happens um, against Scotland tomorrow I was writing uh, an article on the importance of the scrum to an on-ball team um, as a means of maintaining pressure on an opponent super heavyweight teams like the Springboks and like France again they're like super heavyweight wrestlers right they don't want you being too far away from them they don't have to chase you right they want you backed into a corner where they can punish you this is what they want to do they want to make it very difficult for you to escape because what they don't want to do is be jogging after you or trying to try and close you down smaller teams they want that they want it to happen in the big open spaces France and South Africa want you in a little box where they can beat you up all day. It's no surprise that both um, France and Springboks, both of them play with an outside edge blitz. Because again, they want to punish you physically. So if they don't, like they, they kick the ball to you, well look, South Africa don't, don't do that anymore. France, if they kick the ball to you, like they're looking to try and punish you when you have the ball as well. They're going to go really narrow. They're going to blitz high. They're going to blitz hard. And again, teams will try and kick over the top of them or whatever else, but they'll live with that because they want to expend that energy to get the ball back. And like those super heavyweight teams, like South Africa are transitioning to less kicks in the game now. It'll be interesting to see if they just go full on kick pressure against Scotland given how similar Scotland and South Africa are when you look at their average kicks per game their average number of rucks per game carries per game are looking very similar like Scotland are an on-ball team um, and they have the structure to play it 
South Africa against New Zealand showed a lot of on-ball tendencies, like with the way they were running with two, like their 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 main phase play structure was a three-three. So they're basically just sending waves of big runners and just battering you in the middle while their backline operated as an independent unit, swinging behind both pods of three. Very similar to what Munster are doing. Um, Scotland are somewhat similar, except they play with a little bit more high tempo. They use a 3-2x a little bit more. And with Finn Russell, they have a guy you can find any pass that you want. Uh, South Africa have Manny Libok, not really the same thing. But when you're a team who's playing with a lot of possession or you're playing with a team who plays with uh, like not a lot of possession, this is separate from a, a counter-transition team. On and off-ball teams, the scrum is a huge part of the game because if you're playing off-ball, you're going to be kicking the ball an awful lot and forcing defensive pressure, ideally, on the opposition. That'll mean a lot of spilled balls and a lot of scrums, ideally. So your scrum has to be very good defensively. So you have to put a lot of pressure on the opposition so that they basically can't play off anything on the scrum. They're basically just kicking the ball back to you, which is what you want. On-ball teams are the same, where they'll be wanting to play a lot of the game in and around your 10-meter line, battering you physically there. And when they do kick, they're kicking to the corner, but they're contesting it, maybe off 10, off 9, whatever you want. And what does that produce? A lot of scrums. They want that. They want to keep you pinned in. You watch the initial part of the uh, South Africa versus New Zealand game in Twickenham. This is before Scott Barrett got sent off. Um, they were punishing them with the scrum. Not necessarily with the penalties you win, although they're all, they're, they're also important. There are less penalties being given, I feel, in the scrum, but it does allow you to dictate how the game is played. If you have a big, strong scrum, the opposition are under pressure straight away. Like what France did in, in, in this game against the All Blacks this evening was, is that when they kicked downfield, when they were pressurizing the All Blacks, the All Blacks would have to play their, their phase structures very, very deep. So inside their own 10 meter line, when France were able to force an error or force, like, because again, the All Blacks have to kind of have to almost spring the lock. So they were trying to like pass a little bit more or further than what they would have liked. That leads to errors. That leads to guys maybe making a knock-on under pressure. Then you have a scrum, and from there you can start just almost like hammering the nail in into the fucking coffin lid. That's what these big super heavyweight teams like to do. They use the scrum to just punish you, to push you back, to push you back, to push you back. Where all you're doing, it seems, is just fucking trying to survive and get out. Now, New Zealand, I think, like stayed in the game for as long as they did. Um, off the back of the fact how good their automations were which basically an automation is where you're running a, a, a very heavily scripted move so their automations off the line out and off the scrum were very very good um, but like France were really starting to punish them certainly in the first half uh, Antonio was giving De Groot a fucking nightmare um, on the on the tight head side uh, and that kind of stayed with France all the way through where like New Zealand were just anytime that ball got knocked on it just felt the wind came out of their sails a small bit and they were forced to just again go to these fairly complex plays off the back of it. And again, I think that France were able to use the scrum as a means of just maybe just building pressure and then holding it, holding it there. So that like when New Zealand had to play off that scrum, be it their put in or France's, straight away they were kind of almost in the back foot by default. I'm looking to see if Scotland, because uh, they have quite a good scrum as well, if they can buck that trend and it'll be interesting to see how the Springboks do but that, that was the really interesting part of me uh, like looking at this game was New Zealand and France that outside of those 
automations at the set piece like I thought New Zealand looked fairly poor and looked like again they were incapable of moving the ball um, too far up the field with the ball in hand like they kicked a lot as you would expect because again they wanted to try and build some counter transition play but it just didn't really work I think that France's kicking made New Zealand's start point with the ball in hand a little bit too far back so they were always waiting for some, you know, for somebody to pull out something like you know like Will Jordan will get us over the gain line or Talia will get us over the gain line and like their forwards weren't able to do that like Savea did well but I think France had him well covered and then you're looking at the rest of the team like well who there is getting over the gain line for you and we saw that last last year against um, Ireland as well in, in that in that tour of New Zealand like they looked like a fairly lightweight team like where Ireland were kind of bullying him a bit physically um, France will 100% bully him and I think that like France won by either was it 27-12 or 29-12 whatever it was they should have won by more um, I think that they had a number of opportunities that maybe they let New Zealand off the hook um, but I, I think that the concern thing for New Zealand was that they didn't look dangerous outside of what they were capable of producing with again they're really good at these scripted um, everybody knows their position they've got good passers there they were able to hurt France that'll be interesting to teams like Ireland but I think we saw that you don't want to take on this French team in France especially if they start to bring back in the likes of Jonathan Dante who I think they missed this game uh, bringing back in Paul Williams uh, if Cyril Boy can get back fit um, like they will be an incredibly difficult team to beat at home so you want to avoid them I think that they're going to top the pool now so Ireland need to not come second in the pool like ideally like okay look if it's between second and third we'll take second but I don't think you want to be looking at playing um, Paris or France in Paris in a quarter final like that to me is just a nightmare mode game um, so look I think that there's you know uh, really interesting kind of trends that are building in the game at the moment um, but for Ireland the big thing I think against the likes of South Africa and France will be if we can get parity in the scrum everything else will flow from there if we start to get punished there that's when our counter transition game can, can, can go downhill I think we saw that from France against New Zealand today that if they have the ability to punish us in the scrum on both sides of the put in everything becomes so much harder for Ireland off the back of it but this is a World Cup everything is the, the pressure levels are to the roof I'm going to be covering these games tomorrow uh, I'll be doing a live stream after the game so Wally ratings uh, and the review of the Monster game will be out in the 5 star podcast on Monday and uh, we're right into the thick of it now so yeah I had a great week I hope you have a great week and I hope we're talking about an Ireland win uh, this time tomorrow night so I will talk to you again very very soon